0: As I look at the real life ways that I've been shaped as a human, some of these things really stand out. As like, where did that come from? Is because I was nurtured in the church. Mm-hmm. My ability to see invisible people, marginalized people, reconciliation—I've seen that happen in tangible, real ways through my experience in the church or my understanding of what it means to be a leader. I know it's not perfect, and I've I've experienced some of that too, but the impact that we can make when people come together and somehow God works, the church, when it's being the church, Mm -hmm. is a wonderful community to be a part of. Hey
1: everyone, welcome to The Walk Podcast. This is a place where we can answer honest questions, talk about hard issues, and walk alongside one another as we explore how spirituality fits into real life. I'm Gil, I'm your host, and today we're joined by Luke Erickson. As the executive pastor here at Mountain, Luke has invested his life into serving the local church. When he's not at church, you'll find Luke hanging out with his wife, Holly, and their five kiddos, probably playing basketball somewhere. Luke is here to lead us today as we explore our topic on the church. What it is, what it's not, some of our misconceptions about it, and why the church matters. We know that the word church brings up many different feelings for a lot of us. And we hope that you find this conversation to be honest and real, filled with hope as we explore it together. Let's jump in. Hey friends, welcome back here again with Luke Erickson. Luke, what's up? Hey Gil, glad to be back. Yeah, this is fun. I I enjoy talking to you. We kind of have a fun topic, question of what is the church. We want to recognize too, there's so many Mm -hmm. things that come up when you hear the word church, challenging things, uncomfortable things, and beautiful things as well. But obviously it's a complex issue, and that's kind of why we want to talk about it. I think Mm -hmm. it's the heart of um, both of us and our church and definitely the heart of this podcast to say, like, yeah. whatever's out there that's that's challenging, we want to wrestle with it and be honest about it and yeah. walk through it. I want to preface before we begin and just say this, this will not be an exhaustive right. coverage of everything regarding church and church history and how the Bible talks about it and all that stuff. But we're just going to probably just jump right in. Luke, for you, mm-hmm. you're a pastor. Yeah. At a church, mm-hmm. you do church things. You're around the church. What I mean, <laughs> yeah. As you think about the word church, how does that hit you? What do you think of when you think of the word church?
0: Yeah, it's good for me to be honest. To just mm-hmm. say I'm coming from a place where that's a lot of positive associations sure. for me, and I did grow up in the church. I realize that's not everyone's experience, and I'm very aware, like you said, of some of the negative experiences that people have had. We can talk about that too. But for me, I. Yeah. Almost all positive associations. Very, very much grateful for the upbringing that I had and felt like I was nurtured in a well cared for garden. And I wasn't someone who was transplanted into the garden. I grew up in it and it has images for me of family, I guess, number one, because I mean, there's some theological reasons that we'll talk about. The church was talked about as a family, but just very practically, my family was a part of the church and extended family too. You mentioned too, I work at a church, so there's images of vocation. That's a layer here, like the the thing I'm doing with my life that I happen to call a job. It's something that I tried to avoid for a long time, just as a caveat. (laughs) My dad was a pastor, and his dad was a pastor. I tried everything I could to not be a pastor, Uh but nevertheless, here we are. I'm glad. I feel like I'm doing what I ought to be doing. But yeah, I think of the most meaningful relationships that I have, and it's because of the church. It's within the church and through the church. So I think those are, you're saying, what comes to my mind when I think of the church? Yeah, mm-hmm. those those kinds of things. And again, it is pretty positive. And because of the experiences I've had, I'm kind of immersed in the biblical understanding of sure. the word church. I certainly have more to learn there and I'm growing in that, but have been very shaped by those kinds of images. Other people have very different images. They, they're not immersed in, whether you're talking about an environment like mine or just a conceptual world like mine of that, that I've been immersed in the, the biblical imagery yeah. or something. So I get it that people are coming from a different perspective. Probably if you ask the common person, what do you think of with church? They might say a thing I go to, right? an event, place I go. They might say, well, it's a building. You know, you see them, you see steeples around Mm -hmm. a city and that's what they are. People might think of an institution, like there's school, there's government, there's business, there's church. It's like a domain of society, a sphere of society or something like that that doesn't necessarily have positive or negative associations automatically for a lot of people though it does tilt negatively when you start to think of a church if they hear people hear that word they're thinking of the church as a special interest group mm-hmm. and a, a lobbyist group a group of people that is trying to exercise influence mm-hmm. and pull the strings of power and decision makers within a society to guide the society in a particular direction i don't know if people would say it exactly like that but i'll say even
1: like for me one of the things that strikes me when i hear the word like institution Mm -hmm. or something like that especially Mm -hmm. people my age i think that's exactly the first thing that comes to mind i think you're right
0: yeah so that association i think we got to be honest about and i said it tilts more negative i think people i mean people read the headlines people have their own experiences to tell a story very different from mine that is a very sad story, a very tragic story of real pain that has resulted from their involvement in a church. So that gets scaled up and kind of is, I think, in the water, in a lot of people's consciousness. The church is thought of negatively as something that's corrupted, a group of power hungry, oppressive, bigoted, hypocritical people, or a mob that is something to be feared, something to be cautious about, something that is this spreading disease in our world that is influencing all these different facets of our society. And we need to be careful about that. We need to limit its influence and its spread and, you know, stand strong against it. It's a very different attitude than what what it used to be in our particular situation in America, right? That, that wasn't always the case. That immediately creates the instinct in some people to say, well, no, we need to keep that going. We need to go back to the ways that the church used to be thought of in our society and the mm-hmm. place that it used to have and the positions of power and influence that it used to have and kind of win this battle so mm-hmm. that it can advance in, in the ways that we want it to. You're uncovering this contentious reality when you start talking about the church. So, yeah I guess I find myself very aware of that, mm-hmm. even as I'm someone who comes from a place of lots of positive and good experiences with uh, church, specifically and even conceptually, but very aware of kind of things to the contrary that are mm-hmm. out there.
1: Plenty of it and obviously stuff that many of us are talking about, church people and non-church people yeah. that we can see in our world and yeah everything going on. I think that's good and, and worth recognizing for sure. As you look out, And you've probably even had conversations with a lot of your people, even around Mm -hmm. Mountain and beyond. What are some misunderstandings about what the church is Mm -hmm. and what it's supposed to be and those sorts of things?
0: I'm reflecting on, as I think about my teaching, You know, part of my role is to teach and preach. And as I think about the frameworks that I'm using and that I'm drawing from the Bible and trying to be guided in that way and have that influence the ways that we're thinking about the church. I've, known, I've kind of boiled it down to probably three maybe paradigm shifts that I think I'm always trying to reinforce or always kind of picking at and plucking at and pricking people to their consciousness with. I'm trying to help people move from a conception of church as institution mm-hmm. to a conception of church as a movement. And I understand the reasons that people would think of it as, as an institution, but that's not how it began. I mean, mm. it, it grew out of a thing that happened in the world, right? Mm. <laughs> Namely, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, and the gift of the Spirit to now have Jesus be embodied in the world in a real way through these people. This movement began and exploded on the scene in ways that I don't know that anyone could predict in all kinds of surprising ways. I mean, right from the beginning, people were drawing different conclusions about what was happening. You know, these people are drunk. These people are crazy. These people are a threat. We need to put a stop to this. I mean, all of that was there at the birth of the church. It wasn't like Jesus or somebody came up and said, all right, we're establishing a new domain of society, a new institution. It's called the church. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, walk through this door and let me teach you all the things. Put up about- the website, yeah. the URL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just not how it, unfolded. Now, granted, as a movement grows, just like as a, as any living thing grows, there are new structures and things that are established to support that growth. So any church, any family, any person will institutionalize certain things, just like you build habits into your life to mm-hmm. support the growth that you desire. And a community does the same way. A family institutionalizes a family meal together Mm -hmm. and says, this is what we're going to do. It's going to nurture our lives together as a family. So a a movement of, of people that is going somewhere has to institutionalize things. So I'm not being anti-institutional in that sense. Sure. Yeah. Well, there's
1: a sense in which like, no matter what you're doing, church or yeah, government or whatever it might be like, questions, not should we have institutions? It's like, what kind of institutions exactly. should we have? No, so, that's, that's
0: yeah. an insightful question. And so the church has had to wrestle with that. Maybe there's plenty of ways that the church has gotten that wrong over the years. But just to say, it's not bad to institutionalize things. But to just fundamental conception, the church as movement. Mm. Something happened. Jesus exploded onto the scene. His resurrection came. The, the, the church was born to the gift of the spirit. And it just... It started to take shape and move and influence all different facets of society in first century Roman culture. And we're just living in the wake of that, like Mm -hmm. just to kind of let that be a framework. The second one would be going from thinking of church as a place to thinking of church as a people or moving from event to a community. So just kind of challenging. I know that what we always talk about is I go to church. Mm -hmm. I think of a church, a place where things happen. Mm -hmm as opposed to a people through whom, or a people among whom, or in whom things happen. So again, I say, I go to church, I'll say, hey, I'll see you at church, and okay, it's kind of the common parlance, but if we're really getting down to identifying what the church is, the church is, like the image I started with, a family, an extended family, and this network of relationships, it is a community. Church isn't something that just happens one day a week, like it's an event on the calendar. Mm -hmm. Worship services happen, for most churches, once a week, all right, or or periodically. And that's part of what the church has institutionalized to support its life and growth Mm -hmm. and to continue to be what it was designed to be, to foster the movement, to maintain the connections among the people of the community. And so again, going back to what the Bible is teaching about what the church is, it's, yeah, it's this assembly of people, this body of people that of course has a rhythm to how they meet and what they do, but it's... A body. So just community thinking. And when you start to think that way, then you can't just relegate church to like this part of the week or this section of town or where like churches, I'm a part of that. And so are these people that I'm in relationship with. And like we embody that Mm -hmm. in our vocations and when we go to school and in our home and and so forth. So it starts to shape the ways that you live and not mm-hmm. just be this thing that gets compartmentalized over here. So mm-hmm. I would say going from institution to movement, going from place to people. And then I, I like this one. I think this is relevant for people. Think of being, Thinking of church, when, when you're joining the church, becoming a part of the church, thinking of it less like joining a gym and more like joining a team. Mm. All right. Less like joining a gym, more like joining a team. I went to the gym this morning. It's a, it's a practice I usually do in the morning. And so when you are a member at a gym, you join that gym for your own fitness goals. And those are good things. Not to say anything negative about that. It's good to have personal goals. And there are a lot of people at the gym. There was a lot of people at the gym this morning when I went. And here's the thing, I don't belong to those people and they don't belong to me. Like I say, I belong to this gym, but I I don't have like any kind of shared goals with those people. Even if I'm in a class and I participate in like some kind of group fitness thing, Mm -hmm. like I'm there to achieve the, like the personal development that I've outlined. And again, there's nothing wrong with having goals like that and pursuing that. It's just, that's the nature of the gym. Though other people are there to pursue their goals and I'm there to pursue mine. And I've determined Mm -hmm. those things. Those, the things that I do at the gym are a means to that end. I think so many people, when they think about the church, if they are joining it, which is good, hey, welcome, come and eat eat, with whatever understandings you have, that's Mm -hmm. fine even if they're imperfect, and they likely will be. But when you bring those kinds of expectations to the church, you think of the church as like just another, like a gym to serve me, which of course fits within a larger framework of just a like any other business that mm-hmm. exists to serve me. That business has a product, it has a service that I want to access. And so there I go to that thing and it serves me mm-hmm. for the purposes that I hope it will achieve. And mm-hmm. so then I start thinking of church that way. And you can start to see where this is going to lead to potentially some disappointment because I have this framed up agenda of what I imagine for this church thing to do. And I want it to serve me Mm -hmm. just like the gym serves my needs. And of course, as soon as the gym stops doing that, then I will quit the gym or join another gym or or design a different plan. Mm -hmm. And I think of the church in the same way. And plenty of people have done that because that's what it's about. Mm. It's I've set the target of what it needs to supply me, and then I kind of hold the church to that standard, and I see the church as a vendor of those, Mm -hmm. like you say, religious goods and services. And as long as it's serving my spiritual goals, if you want to say it that way, then good, I'll participate in it. Mm -hmm. So contrast that with a team. I've been a part of lots of teams, an athlete, love playing sports. But in a team sport, I still go to the gym. I make that commitment. But it's because it serves the ends of the team. Mm-hmm. And if we are both on the same team, I hope you're going to the gym. I hope you're working out and exercising your muscles. I hope you're improving your strength and your flexibility because we have a shared mission. We have a shared purpose. We have a shared bond. We're accountable to one another. Mm-hmm. Unlike all the random people at the gym, like we do belong to each other and we answer to this shared vision of what this team is about, in, in this case, what the church is about. So the, the team mentality says, yes, my individual development is important. It's just framed within that much larger vision of what the team is about. And in this case, if you want to kind of carry the analogy a little bit further, like I'm not the coach of that team, like sure, you yeah. can say, God is the coach. God is directing the vision for this team what this team is going to be about, the distinctives of this team, the values of this team. So I think it's important for people to know that like, when the invitation is issued to sign on to this team, it's that kind of invitation. Mm-hmm. It's not like a gym saying, hey, join us because everything you want this to be about, it can be about mm-hmm. like you do you and make it happen. It's not what this is. Mm-hmm. this is. It is an invitation. It is a loving invitation. It's a wonderful invitation. But it is guided by a God who has an agenda for it Mm. and a vision for it and who is going to be asking you to kind of lay your agenda at the door, so to speak, and pursue something that at least this God who says that he created you uh, Mm. is good for you. So, yes, pursue personal development. Yes, have goals, but see those within the light of this larger vision and this larger community to whom you're accountable and pursue that within the context of this this team. I've found that I'm often helping trying to help people cross those thresholds of think going from institution to movement thinking, sure, going from place to people thinking, going from, you know, gym personal fitness goals to team thinking where yeah. your personal fitness goals fit within this larger vision.
1: Yeah, I think we all probably need help moving in that direction right like even i have a tendency to look through the lens of anything i go to or attend and you know what can i get out of it sort of thing it's it seems to me a huge shift in thinking about what the church is to see it as this moving social thing i like the way you just worded it as a church as like a movement a thing Mm -hmm. that's living and moving in the world and heading somewhere Mm -hmm. and we're doing it together i find that i find that really cool
0: and I, just to maybe speak, like everyone has that sense, probably if you've been in a church long enough, of like you're you're kind of asking and wondering, is this church meeting my needs? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's a bad question to ask. I guess I would encourage someone to be thoughtful and patient and prayerful and communal about working through that question, mm-hmm. and not to just automatically assume, like we do in our consumeristic culture, that if the answer to that is no or at least I don't perceive this church to be meeting my needs, so to speak, mm-hmm. that then the immediate response is, well, then I'm going to leave this thing behind. That's what we do with when our cell phones don't work like we want to, or mm-hmm. when whatever service that we're accessing doesn't fulfill what, what we're seeking. I'm not trying to make an excuse for any church that is just doing a poor job at living out its calling and identity. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you could never, you know, leave a church. We do have to acknowledge where a church is not fulfilling the vision Mm -hmm. that it's a part of, but we do also have to be really careful that our decisions aren't just guided by this consumerism and kind of our whole attitude toward that isn't being framed by some just individualistic pursuit that gets distorts what the church is and and then Mm -hmm. distorts even what is, what does it mean to be human and what does it mean to do with my life and how how should i direct my life so if church isn't meeting your needs okay press in invite you know talk to the people that you know do guide and lead the church and mm-hmm. you know move move toward others and invite others to shed some light on that and give their perspective and you know just do that thoughtfully and carefully and humbly and yes i do hope a church meets your needs mm-hmm. toward the end of you being stronger so that we're all stronger so that god's vision for the church in the world can come into being just always have that bigger picture in your mind I think it just reframes that that feeling of angst when it's like oh i don't I don't feel like it's meeting my needs anymore
1: I think that's great you mentioned this movement that rose up in its purest form and in its beginning I'm interested to know from you as you reflect like how does the Bible talk about the church mm-hmm. as it got started where does it fit within the biblical story and all that stuff
0: yeah well it It is a continuation of the story. We've talked in other episodes about the nature of the Bible and how it is this unfolding drama of God's work in the world that God created. And so the church does come as a natural and strategic continuation of that story. The God that created the world, created it good, is then finding himself reacting to all the ways that sin and distortion have corrupted that world. And it's like, All right, I'm trying to work with these humans here who don't really seem interested in working with me. (laughs) It's a really (laughs) tough position that God is in. And he doesn't just discard everything, he's like still trying to work with a a people that can bear his image and represent God faithfully in the world so that the goodness and blessing that God wants for the world can happen. All right, so just kind of speaking in big terms Mm -hmm. about how the story of the Bible is introduced and then how it unfolds. And so it's a long, messy history, and we can talk about that at other times, but it does lead forward through what we call the Old Testament and point with a hope that, that holds on to the fact that God is still working hmm. through these humans to bring about the purposes that God has for hmm. creation, like the destiny of the world is still in the hands of these humans okay God has made judgments along the way that no you are you are disqualified from trying to carry this forward because you just insist on distorting it. Mm-hmm. okay Yes, God has acted and, and had to intervene in certain ways. but through that <laughs> ugly and tragic demise in, in some places, from the ashes, from the rubble, quite mm-hmm. literally is <laughs> read right. the <laughs> Old Testament. <laughs> There are these voices that say God is not done with us yet. Mm-hmm. And and that in itself is just amazing. Like mm-hmm. when you really let the sweep of the story just hit you and wash over you and you walk through the difficulty, just that journey from Genesis through 2nd Kings when like mm-hmm. it all comes crashing down is it's it's a lot, mm-hmm. man. And then you hear the voices of the prophets who are, you know, providing an explanation for why it had to come to this, right? And at the same time, they're saying, God is not done yet. God is still somehow at work through the people that he is trying to get to bear his name in the ways that are consistent with how God designed them, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the, I guess, the drama, the way the drama develops in the Old Testament and the ache that we have as the Old Testament comes to its conclusion, we're like waiting. Well, who is going to bring that about? Who's Mm -hmm. going to lead us into that? Because all the leaders that we've had have ultimately fallen short of that. Mm -hmm. So who's going to make that happen? And that sets the stage, of course, for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus shows up and says, it's me. And everyone looks at Jesus and is like, well, you just kind of look like a poor carpenter's sure? son. <laughs> Are you sure? Let's see, where is your clout? Where is your army? Where is your position and status? Where is your strength? I mean, I just, we don't see it, Jesus. There's this dissonance of like, really? Like God is bringing about God's intentions for the world mm-hmm. through you? Really? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I can take that. And and of course, that leads to where everyone who was kind of buying in along the way eventually scatters and concludes, oh no, it's actually not happening. The things that we thought and hoped that God was going to do through you are clearly not happening because Jesus died and he was buried and that was it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the the idea then that this story was going forward clearly was coming to a screeching halt. And then that's, of course, that's the stage for this incredible event that we you know pin our hopes on and ground our faith in the resurrection of Jesus and now suddenly a whole new world is born and someone described the new testament as being written through like viewing through the porthole of the resurrection mm-hmm. so we get the new testament and which i'm getting to the answer to your question of acts and all these letters right, that were yeah. written to churches is all, it's, it's a response to the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus is now reframing our entire understanding of reality. And it's kind of another one of those moments where we, we say, oh my goodness, God is. God isn't done with us yet. God is still working through God's people in this movement that now Jesus came to carry forward. Like it's actually happening for real. And and you point to the empty grave and you point to Jesus's appearances after he rose from the dead as validation of that. Jesus was actually being enthroned on that cross. Mm -hmm. And now Jesus has ascended to take his place as the ruler of heaven and earth. And that's the way, I guess I'm just saying, that's the way the Bible story unfolds and tries to portray the role of Jesus in it. So that all sets the stage then Mm -hmm. for the role of the church. So Jesus dies. Jesus is buried. Story's over. Oh, no, it's not. Sunday, mm-hmm. a whole new world is born, new possibilities. Jesus is alive in power through the, the spirit that, cr- that created the world is now raised Jesus from t- from death to life. And then Jesus ascends to sit at the right hand of the Father. And then the story continues by that, the spirit of Jesus descending mm. and empowering this group of people who are living in the aftermath of all of these things, like still going, holy cow, how do we make sense of this? We know how the story has gone to this point. We didn't anticipate this. How how does this reshape us now? What what do we do in the midst of it? And it is interesting how the when they were gathered there, when the Spirit did descend, it was on the day of Pentecost, and it mm-hmm. just very distinctly goes around and says there were people there from all of these different regions, all these different cultures and customs and Mm -hmm. and just geographical areas had all come to this one place. So the day the church was born, it's multicultural Mm -hmm. in its expression. Jesus is as the center. The spirit shows up and, and just starts to work and empower this community of people to go. And what do they do? You turn to the book of Acts, which is like volume two, the birth of the church it's it's now the spirit working through the church mm. to do and and influence the same kind of things that Jesus was doing and so it's just Jesus is still here he's just changed bodies is now mm-hmm. Jesus is now embodied through the the life of the church and is now going forward mm-hmm. and starting to influence the society and again that a very unlikely story. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> because you got all these people like you and me or people like Jesus, poor carpenters or whatever mm-hmm. coming and saying, yeah, I'm down with that. I want to drink from that spirit. I want that spirit to take up residence in me and work through me and help me be the the, the, the full human that God designed for me to be. And then I can actually have an influence in the place where God has put me. And like, that's the miraculous thing that the the Spirit is doing, changing individuals, mm-hmm. reforming individuals who then participate in the changing and reforming of the world around them. And in Acts, you get these little glimpses of it. Something happens. And then what does it say? And then the Lord added to their number. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a little bit more, this minority group and they, they do a little more activities and mm-hmm. they start to institutionalize some things and they got to answer tough questions and they got to work out the complexities of being real people in the real world and, yeah. you know, in, in a hostile environment. And then they they do that and it says, and then the Lord added to their number and it started to grow and it mm-hmm. multiplied. And this unlikely thing that had no political power, no army, no clout, no status of any kind really began to grow through the power of the spirit. And again and again, the author of Acts testifies that that's God working through God's spirit, through God's people to do what God intended to do to lead the world toward the goals and the destiny that God has for it to bring blessing to all nations and renew and restore everything. So that's a big highfalutin story yeah <laughs> okay so i don't know you did i answer the question you did no. you okay. did thank you <laughs> yeah no that's great sweep.
1: so luke you mentioned the church as this movement this thing that has spread mm. you talked about the book of acts and has led us all the way up to this moment that we're in this big sweeping movement of what the mm. church is a beautiful beautiful picture Talk for a second about the word church. We hear the word church. There are like a global thing maybe, but there's also like local churches. Talk a little bit about how that movement expresses itself, even where we are right now.
0: Well, I think what we've rehearsed guides us to see our involvement in a local church as Mm. part of this bigger movement. Mm. And so there is the church, there is a global brotherhood, sisterhood that we share as communities of believers all across the world, which have different practices, different languages, different customs, but there is this unity to who we are. And this whole network is united by Jesus and the presence of God's spirit that shows up embodied Mm -hmm. in real times and places and among people and cultures and people on the other side of the world speaking a different language are praising Jesus just as we in our context are praising Jesus. And I would say to any individual, it's like, yeah, find a local church. Understand that as you do that and as you respond in obedience to Jesus and you join a local church, I do hope you see yourself as part of this big worldwide story that's true in some real sense. But of course, it's on the ground in a real practical, tangible way through your local engagement with the church Mm -hmm. and the people that you're sharing life with and sharing meals with and that you're quote unquote going to church with on Sundays that you're worshiping mm-hmm. with. And so it th- to emphasize that local connection, I think is consistent with the the way God designed the church, just as we talked about how it was birthed where people were all gathered in one place that had different cultures and customs and were part of different geographical mm-hmm. areas. So as it was born, then those people spread out and scattered, all which over, was yeah. part of God's design. And the fact that the mission of God is so portable and adaptable. And it just needs to be about Jesus at the Mm -hmm. center. Jesus says, where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. And that's two or three people who speak Hungarian or Swahili or English or whatever. Jesus is wanting to have a heavenly presence there and begin to reshape and influence the on the ground realities through those on the ground people who are living and working and going to school and just making a life there. Those local embodied expressions are how it always happens, and that's the the invitation, of course, to join the church Mm -hmm. is really expressed through that local invitation to join this particular church, Mm -hmm. this particular community, this particular movement of Jesus followers in this particular corner of the world.
1: I think we often forget Yeah. The global body of Christ, as people call it, the global family. Like, Whenever I get ticked off about whatever is bothering me about the church too, it's often something that's happening in my Mm. local corner. The issues I have with the church are often local issues. It's Mm. the people on the ground and stuff. And sometimes I can forget, I think, the larger picture of God's family that he's creating all around the world that I think it creates kind of a special, special relationship. So, And the
0: global church is flourishing on Mm -hmm. lots of different fronts Mm -hmm. and in lots of different ways. And the challenges the global church is facing in different different cultures is different from the challenges we're facing. Mm-hmm. They're asking different questions, sorting through different complexities depending on the situation. And nevertheless, in all of those places, the spirit can be at work and create new possibilities. And we gotta reinvent and adapt and mm-hmm. work it out mm-hmm. in practice, in real ways. And God promises to be with us through his spirit as we do that. And so that is an amazing thing. It's good to mm-hmm. kind of throw your mind. In that bigger perspective, as you're doing whatever you do in your church, meeting with your Bible study, Mm -hmm. you know, participating with your your friends in church and all of that, and like we're not the only game in town here in (laughs) America. (laughs) Uh, God is doing a lot through His faithful people all over the world, and we join in that and celebrate that, and have some neat opportunities through trips and relationships that we have to participate in those other expressions too. Yeah,
1: I'm interested. To know from you, what are the things that mark what the mm. church is? Mm. What makes character? The church a church? Yeah. What? Yeah. How do I recognize it in the world?
0: Yeah. Well, the the presence of Jesus, I guess, is the obvious starting place. I know that's a can be mysterious, but it's mm-hmm. like that is what marks the church, and some practical things as that's borne out. The presence of Jesus leads to you know. I'll say bearing witness or the proclamation of Jesus. Like the story is told of Jesus and who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and yeah, like there is that proclamation. Where in the world could I go to hear a voice from God to to get this kind of distinct perspective on reality, to hear the good news of what God is doing in the world? Where could that happen? Oh, among and in and through this church community. That's where God is hoping that it happens. That's the people to whom God has entrusted it. So the, the, the proclamation of Jesus. And then experiencing the presence of Jesus. And, you know, we talk about how the communion meal, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper unites us in that way. We're acknowledging Christ is in our midst. We're we're giving thanks to what Christ has done on our behalf and what is true as a result of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And one more time, like signing on and saying, we're in, we want to be caught up and be with you and follow where you lead us. And so there, there's some like real expressions of the, the presence of Christ and that's not just through the Eucharist. I mean, Jesus talks about you're experiencing the presence when, anytime you engage people, like the, the image of God is stamped on them and there i am in in the midst of those who are poor and on the margins and all of that and so even as you engage the world in those real ways to show up and serve and to listen to people and advocate for those who can't advocate for themselves like you're experiencing the presence of christ like the the church is right there in the nitty-gritty of those tangible things a community then that takes its cues like it's it's a communal thing church is a communal thing that is everything about that community is defined by jesus and so it just shares practices together of things that continue to form it. Just like a family defines certain activities, certain rhythms, certain habits that say, this is what marks our family. This is kind of how we live a life together. The church does that too. And so there's a shared life and that's talked about in some distinct ways in the book of Acts. And then that gets contextualized in all different cultures as the church develops and imports itself into different cultures. Like a shared life together, a shared sense of mission and accountability to and answering to that mission that then plays out in all kinds of love expressing itself tangibly, right? Like love is a verb that's acted out in the midst of these people, generated by Jesus himself, and then lived out in practical ways. So I think those that's not maybe exhaustive, but some of the first things that come to my mind is I'm trying to look for, well, what is a church? How do you know that a church is being the church? I think those are some of the distinctives.
1: Not just a group of people that maybe stands in the same room and yeah. thinks the same things. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's a sits in the same little bit of a different Sunday. yeah, a different yeah. picture of yeah. a, a community well, of shared, shared life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I guess to just draw a sharper point on one of those distinctive practices, like a church that is worship. Like I mm. sh- probably should have singled that out especially. I'm glad you reminded me not to downplay the thing that happens on a Sunday. Okay, yeah, we go sit in the same pew, we sing the same songs, or what, like. I get how that can be just routine and rote and maybe, you know, lessen in its meaning if it's not continually recontextualized and refreshed and Mm -hmm. you know seen within this larger framework. So we we do keep that fresh. That should never get boring and old and stale and you know relegated to the realm of meaninglessness. Like, no, the the church at worship. Like, where can I go in a community Hmm. to see God, the creator, being praised and exalted in the ways that God is due? It's like, oh, oh, the church. If I go to the church gathering, then that's a place where I'm going to see that reflected and embodied. And that's going to be an experience I'm invited into. No one else. You're not going to see that anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And that's distinctly going to happen in the church. Mm -hmm. And that brings life and healing to a community Mm -hmm. when that happens in the pure and good ways that it's designed.
1: That's great. I think there are a lot of people who would hear a story like that and Mm -hmm. think, man, that's really beautiful. Like I get the Jesus thing and that sounds really great. But you mentioned the book of Acts as this story of people, God's church, right? Figuring out how the heck do we do this thing and move it forward? Like, I think where the human element comes in is where most people, a lot of us get a little uncomfortable and tend to get off. Yeah the train a little bit. I mean, some people have maybe a idealized version of the book of Acts where it's like, they're just going and doing amazing things, but it's also like Mm -hmm. tons of messiness and conflict and stuff that they're working through as well.
0: Yeah. So we, we see that in our world right now and we're aware of the, the way the church has made headlines for, let's just say, not living up to the ideals that I just ranted about. Okay. That I think the the vision of the Bible has for the church. So we've not lived up to that Mm -hmm. all over the place. Like it's very real for us right now. And it's in the Acts story as well. There are times where that vision of the church and how humans should relate to one another and everything the church should be gets corrupted and distorted and taken in the wrong direction. And, you know, different things happen as a result. But one of the things the Bible is consistent in is just calling that what it is. Mm -hmm. It's continuing to say, no, not that, but this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and, And... that we we've dealt with that for centuries and centuries as the church has multiplied throughout cultures and brought tons of blessing to the world. And because it is a human effort, just as it is a divine effort, right? It's, it's some mysterious partnership and co-mingling of all of that. Mm-hmm. But the, the human idea to take hold of it and redirect it and distort it is there. And yet somehow God continues to say This is the vehicle through which I am working Mm. to accomplish my purposes. God's very aware of the distortions that are present Mm -hmm. when you let humans get your hands on this thing, and that's a risk God takes. I mean, to to love is to risk, and God gives humans agency in the world. He's God seems to be doing his best, so to speak, to cast a clear and compelling vision Mm -hmm. of what it means to be fully human. Why send Jesus? That's why I gave the gift of the Spirit and is is making people new. And that's beautiful when you see it. And it's oh so tragic when Mm -hmm. when people choose something else. We know that we haven't lived up to that vision. The Bible's aware that, yep, we're not going to live up to that vision when we choose our own way. Mm -hmm. And yet, still the church. Jesus is still in and among and working through the church. Mm So I for one, still believe that that's something I I want to be a part of and need to be a part of. And I think the world needs as well, even though there's been a lot of damage done. Yeah.
1: Well, say more about that, because I think for a lot of different reasons, I think people ask this exact question. Why, Why bother with the church in light of its maybe abuses? I mean, you can look at historically and even in contemporary examples of stuff going on in the church. Just like, why bother with it? Why go through all of that messiness sort of thing? Yeah.
0: One, I would say, you know, we, we got to be honest about that mm-hmm. and we don't want to underplay it. And where there has been pain, we need to be attentive to that pain in all the ways that I think Jesus would coach us and the ways that Jesus himself is attentive to our pain. Like that's one mm-hmm. of the beautiful truths about God and that his spirit is uh, alongside us, is even dwelling in us, is interceding for us when we experience the ache, however it results. All right. We know that God is there. And we, we, I, in any place where the church or its leaders have been dismissive of that pain, we, we just need to repent of that. That, that does not yeah. bear the character of Jesus. It's not at all the, the church living out its vision. So, yeah, we don't want to underplay it. I guess I would say at the same time, wh- while I'm speaking philosophically, I'm not going to go in and, you know, somebody who's in pain and say, sure. Say this exactly at this moment, but I would also say don't overplay it. All right, Mm -hmm. again, that doesn't mean I'm going to go to some individual and say, "Hey, you're making too big of a deal out of this." No, all right, but just taking a step back, like we don't, we don't need to overplay it either. Like there Mm -hmm. is still a resounding hope ringing through the message of the gospel of the Bible, and it's evident in the way that God continues to use God's church for bringing beauty and blessing and goodness and truth and light. To the world. So those are the kinds of things that are never going to make headlines, Mm -hmm. right? We're very aware of all the headlines that the church makes for the negative reasons. And sometimes we might make headlines for positive stuff whenever the people who write the headlines think that people will read it, you know? Uh, (laughs) So there are like theological answers. And I've kind of gone through that sweep. If I was going to summarize it, I would just say, look, there are no other vehicles animated by the Spirit of God and empowered by the Spirit of God to guide the world to its destiny. We're talking about the Spirit that was there at creation. We're talking about the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We're talking about the Spirit that renews you and me and has made us into new creatures. That Spirit is alive and active in and through the church to make all things new. That's the claim that's being made and reinforced by Jesus. It's the claim that's being made and being witnessed to by that early community that was birthed out of the ministry of Jesus. So pay attention to the church, because God continues to introduce His church and hold out His church mm. as the bride of Jesus, imperfect as she is. She's still the bride of Christ, and it, it, it's there's no other plan. Like God is not dismissing. God's not divorcing his bride. God is still joining hands with the church and saying if the world is going to reach its destiny. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that's a really good picture. Yeah. Be- better than anything you can imagine. If if that's going to happen, the church is going to be that instrumental mm-hmm. feature of it. So that's again, a theological answer. There's here. no plan B. No plan B. Yeah. Church is plan A and what God is doing in and through the church. So there you go. That, that's one way to say mm-hmm. it. And just to be clear, w- when I say the church, we got to onboard all those images that I talked about sure. earlier. I'm not making a case for institutions necessarily, mm-hmm. or I'm not even making a case for worship services or for, you know, certain events or structures or, or approaches to church. I- I'm making a case for the church. And it could be that certain things, like we need to draw conclusions like, why bother with this anymore? Why bother with this way of doing things? The church sure. should an, ask that question and, and confront that reality. Why bother with this outdated way of structuring ourselves? Mm-hmm. Or why bother with this kind of calendar rhythm that just doesn't seem to jive with, the you know, in, in our culture anymore? Mm-hmm. We should a- ask those questions all the time and we should discontinue things when they need to be discontinued sure. because they answer to the ultimate vision and mission of God in the world through the church. So we might discontinue lots of stuff and we might decide to not bother with mm-hmm. church as we used to do it. And that's a, that's a spirit-led adaptation that mm-hmm. actually enables the church to keep being the church in new and different cultures. That's one of the great things about the mission of God is it's not like culturally yeah, cool. bound and limited in any one one expression. So those are all very natural spirit-guided things that retain the church, even though we might give up on some of our deeply held, you know, Familiar, familiar things sure. that we've come to associate with the church. So theological answer, just some very practical answers. Like we, we know, Gil, you preached recently on just the loneliness epidemic mm-hmm. that's happening. We need each other. We were made for relationship. That's what we find in the church. Practical, mm-hmm. almost pragmatically, like the impact that we can make when people come together and somehow God works. And it's not even just the sum of the parts. It's this amazing influence that can happen. When we are together as a body, I would just say it—it's fun. The church, when it's being the church, Mm -hmm. is a wonderful community to be a part of. All—all the things. I started with that image of family. What happens in a family? What is true when you belong to a family? Well, I guess I just said it. There's belonging. Like someone knows your name, and you have your identity is shaped in a family. There's safety and security. There's a certain protection that comes with being. In a family, there's support. I mean, all these are very practical things that mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, that, you know, good versions of these things can't be found elsewhere, but I'm saying the ultimate, real, truest thing, uh, the essence of these things is found in the church. And so I think that in itself is a really compelling reason that we should reckon with and take note of. I was thinking about some things that I have learned in the church and as a result of the church. And the the thing that came to my mind, we're recording this on a Monday, just came from Sunday, right? Yesterday. So when I'm at church, quote unquote, when I'm at the the worship service Uh gathering, yesterday I gave a hundred hugs. I mean, I was hugging people everywhere. That's right. That is not because I'm a hugger. I am (laughs) distinctly not a hugger. I learned how to hug people and how touch can be so meaningful and valuable and good Mm -hmm. as a result of my experience in the church. I, you know, I've kind of, kind of come from stiff upper Midwest culture and mm-hmm. I don't remember if we, I guess I just, I said, it wasn't my family thing. And there's nothing wrong if that's your culture. And if you don't, you're not a hugger, that, that's fine. And if you are a hugger, okay, you just do it naturally. I'm saying I don't do it naturally, but I, I just, I've been shown how to hug. I've been shown how to make meaningful connections with people and through the value of touch in the church. That's where I learned it. That's where I saw it modeled. Mm. And the ironic thing is, of course, that the church makes headlines for all the ways that we have distorted touch mm. and the ways that we've abused that. And and that is awful and tragic. And I, I don't wish for that. I'm not saying, I'm not giving my story as a way to say, see, that's no big deal. The church. I, I'm right. not saying yeah. that at all. I'm just, as I reflect, like, yeah, I've learned how to have meaningful touch in healthy ways as a result of the church. And that's never going to make any headline. Again, that's not to diminish the times that it has made headlines, but just, that's, what I, that's why I bother, one yeah. of the reasons why I would bother with the church. I've seen, and again, this comes as a surprise to probably a lot of people, like the handling of conflict. Mm-hmm. I've actually seen that modeled incredibly well in the church. That's how I've learned to do it because of what I've seen in the church. The ability to have hard conversations in love, doesn't our world really need that? I mean, where can you find that? Where do you see that happening in, in any kind of environment in our world right now? I've seen that happening in the community of the church. I, I have that story to tell because that's what I've witnessed. That's what I've been a part of. Forgiveness. I've learned that in the church. It was, mm. yeah, it was modeled in my family. But of course, my family was influenced and nurtured by the church our world needs forgiveness. We don't know how to do that very well. And when we get glimpses of it and when it happens, it's amazing when you see someone humble themselves mm-hmm. and acknowledge, take ownership of their actions and express that and try to renew and restore the the, the broken relationships that they've created. I mean, it it's like whole new worlds are born. Mm-hmm. Like oh, there's uh, whole new possibilities open up when that happens. I'm not trying to overstate it or make these grandiose kind of claims. I mean, that's Mm. really what happens. I've learned that in the church. As I look at the real life ways that I've been shaped as a human, some of these things really stand out as like, where did that come from? It's it's because I was nurtured in the church. Mm. My ability to, I'll say, see invisible people, you know, Mm. the marginalized people. Has come as a result of what I've witnessed in the church. Mm. I think our our church has been shaped in that way, and you know, more and more, just trying to mm-hmm. acknowledge and advocate for people who don't have anyone. You know, speak mm-hmm. up for those who can't speak for themselves, and acknowledge those who who maybe are being relegated to the margins. Like mm-hmm. I've seen that happen in the church. Again, okay, totally aware. You got a different story to tell. Okay, fine. All I'm saying is this has been my story. These are Mm -hmm. the ways I've been formed by the church. And even reconciliation, I've seen that happen in tangible, real ways through my experience in the church. That's That's where I've learned it in a very formative and primary way, or my understanding of what it means to be a leader I've seen it in the church. I've mm-hmm. watched models. I've heard it taught. I've gotten chances. People have put trust in me and thrown me out there and given me chances to lead, and you know, lovingly and humbly come alongside me and redirected me and mm-hmm. rebuked me and given me chances mm-hmm. again and and forgiven me and yeah, a place you
1: know, to be to fail and be yes, supported and yes, all that. like yeah.
0: that's all those that's the reality of the church for me. I was just forced to think about why why bother with the church. Those are some of the ways that I would just feel like, well, yeah, I, I want to be a part of that mm-hmm. kind of community. And warts and all, I know it's not perfect and I've, I've experienced some of that too, but I want that. I want more of that. I want that kind of thing for my kids and anybody who I have influence mm-hmm. on. I would point them to the church, because I was like, if you go toward the church and you immerse yourself in it, those kinds of things could be true for you. And that mm-hmm. would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it would be in that spirit that I would hold out the church mm-hmm. and and sort of compel or invite people to take it seriously. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's in some ways, my experience is very similar to yours, Luke. Like the the things that you're taught over a lifetime of walking through a, As you talk, I just, I think like the church really is exactly what you just named. It's like Mm -hmm. a community of people that share practices and things such as goodness Mm. and justice and hugs and Mm -hmm. joy and reconciliation. A lot of things that we really, I think, long for that I don't know that I would have in any other place in my life other than Mm -hmm. the community that I've gotten to be a part of. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a huge gift.
0: What would you say to the person who is kind of just wanting to do the, hey, it's like, I'm down with Jesus, I'm not down with the church. Like, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm doing the Jesus thing. Like, I feel spiritually connected to God I and I don't really need the church. I'm kind of doing just fine. An approach like that, how would you respond to a person that's coming from that? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. The thing that always comes into my mind, because I think I'm wired that way, where it's like, mm-hmm. if I could do the faith thing By myself and do, you know, spiritual disciplines and all that stuff on my own, I would I would take that in a heartbeat. Okay. I would isolate myself (laughs) and do it, read all the books or whatever, and have a faith that is private. I don't think the short answer is I don't think Jesus allows us Mm. to do that. I think Matthew 25 is a really Mm. interesting place where Mm. Jesus says something pretty radical about like the people around you. Mm. Basically says, like wherever you see. People, and especially like those on the margins, yeah. the poor, or the oppressed, or the orphan, or the widow, or someone who's sick or in prison. He basically says, Wherever you see them, you see me. Mm. And that, I mean, that for me has reshaped the way I see just people, sure. like on the street, at the gas station, in church, out of church, whatever. Like the idea that the human being in front of me was created by God mm. in in the image of Christ and, yeah. and that that person exists to be the person of Jesus to me and witness to me in a certain way. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that has radically reshaped the way I just understand people. So there's a way in which church teaches us, the church community teaches us that to be present with Jesus is to be present with his people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a hard thing too, because we, you know, we're we're cool with Jesus, but we're often not really, we don't like his friends that much. Yeah. so. <laughs>
0: Well, and the logic of the answer that you just gave there is, the, okay, you're going to be cool with Jesus, which seems like what you're saying is I'm going to take Jesus seriously. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, if I'm listening to Jesus' voice, then Jesus' voice is directing me mm-hmm. to engage people and engage the world in distinct ways. Mm -hmm. If I'm drawn to Jesus, that's good. He's saying, hey, come to me. But almost like when he's calling his disciples, he called them to be with him Mm -hmm. and to send them out. Mm -hmm. And so that was a communal experience. They were gathered around him and then they were sent out in his name. So it's like, okay, cool. Take Jesus seriously. Believe that Jesus is cool. Say, I'm down with Jesus, but To say that that then translates into a life where you are disconnected from people and just doing this self-sufficient spiritual journey, Mm -hmm. it's like, by the very evidence of your life trying to go that way, Mm -hmm. you're showing that you're not taking Jesus seriously and Mm -hmm. that you're evidently not down with Jesus. I find that exact kind of impulse happening. And so whether your wiring is like, oh, I'm a super people person or sure. I'm a hermit like Gil, I, I'm, kind of, <laughs> I'm overstating it, but whatever. Former, former hermit. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't care what your temperament is. Just take Jesus seriously mm-hmm. and respond accordingly. And if Jesus is saying, like you said, Jesus is like, hey, I'm showing up over here mm-hmm. in and among these people. And I'm saying to you, follow me. So right there. Okay. I mean, I got to take that mm-hmm. and do something with that and either respond in obedience or not. And that's that's what we find. Those who respond to Jesus in obedience, in obedience, find themselves wrapped up in this amazing, multifaceted mm-hmm. community that is holding on to this crazy claim that we are part of God's reshaping and remaking of the world. Mm-hmm. So just to get all you know, vaulted into some bigger story there. I mean, that's what what happens when you respond to Jesus's voice. Yeah. If you are listening to this and you're a person who has experienced church hurt, uh, just to know our community, mountain community, we do acknowledge that here. And if if that's you, find a community, find a church community that you you can be honest about that with, and let that be a prompt for you to move toward the church rather than run away from, to move toward God within the presence of others who love you and love God. I just, I grieve that. And I don't wish for that to happen, and that needs to be taken seriously and heard. And I, I just hope that you would allow yourself to, to be open about that. It, it would be easy for a person who's been hurt by the church to be mm-hmm. hardened and just turn the other way and dismiss the church altogether. I get that. And maybe that characterizes a period in a person's life. I just would hope that you, maybe even this conversation could prompt you to keep moving through mm-hmm. that, to not stay hardened, but open yourself up enough to work through the healing so that you have a chance to live into the beauty Mm -hmm. of what the church is. That's really what we're striving for, wounds and all, Mm -hmm. difficulty and all, disorientation and all, disillusionment and all. We're we're all trying to move toward that. And if that's you, like, receive that as an invitation and a hand held out to say, hey, come on, let's keep going. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and we get to see that pretty much week in and week out in our community, yeah. right? A lot of us are working through and still processing a lot yeah. of whether it's church hurt or whatever. Yeah, find someone to walk through it with you. That's mm-hmm. a good. That's a good word. Yeah. and ultimately, that's kind of the heart of what we want to do on this podcast: is create spaces where we can walk through it's this stuff walk. with you. Hence yeah. the name, the walk. And so we're gonna to continue to do that as we as we talk about this stuff. But Luke, grateful for for you spending some time
0: today. Grateful for you, Gil. Thank you.
1: I really appreciated Luke's honesty about the messiness that is involved with a topic like this and his ability to hold up the goodness and the beauty of the church in its purest form. A place of love, justice, reconciliation, and community. Here at Mountain, that's what we wanna be. Our door is always open to you as you continue exploring your faith. So feel free to reach out and connect anytime. The best way for you to do that is through the email and the show notes to find links to the resources you heard about today. Check out the show notes as well. If you found this conversation helpful, as always, please share it with a friend. Thanks for joining in.